So renewed church exists so that people will be made new in Jesus, grow in Jesus, and then be released into the world for Jesus. That is our purpose. That's our mission statement. It's why we're even here in the first place and why we're going out to plant this new church so that people in Bell County and by God's grace to the ends of the earth will be made new in Christ and then grow in Him and then be released on mission into the world for His glory. And we've been talking last week and again today about our core values. We've talked a lot about vision and mission and being gospel-centered. And our core values bring a sense of clarity to the things that matter most to renew a church. Core values bring focus specifically to how. So that's the key is they help us understand the how we will accomplish our mission as a church. Because every church has essentially the same calling, which is to make disciples of all nations. So that's the same for any church that loves Jesus. But within that, every church has a unique calling in their particular context with who's there and their giftings and their personality. And within that, God gives each church a unique calling on on how they're to fulfill this mission. And the core values bring clarity and focus. And as we saw last week, they serve as guardrails to help keep the church going down the path that God has called them. So last week we looked at our first four. Today we'll look at the second four, total of eight. And so we looked last week at Jesus. So we value Jesus. We value the gospel. We value being biblical. And we value people. So God values His Son, His message, His Word, and His created beings in His image. And so therefore, since God values that, we as a church will value. Because that's what matters to God, it matters to us. And so today we're looking at the second half of our core values on commitment, multiplication, being intentional, and being simple. So you should have your handout. If you don't have one, there's more there at the table. I'm sure you can go pick one up here real quick. It's the same from last week. We're just continuing in our our discussion of our primary beliefs. We'll be looking at two main texts today that we will then discuss further in our home groups, our missional communities this week. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And then we'll also look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. So first let me read to you Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, Him of course being Jesus, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So this is what we do. We proclaim Jesus, we teach everyone, He says that, for the purposes is that, we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So God's Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words. And if you remember, we actually looked at 
the, the paragraphs preceding this last week in Colossians 1, verses 13 through 24, we looked at last week. And, and so this is just a continuation of that exact same thought. So it's all based on who Jesus is. Remember that from last week? It says that all things are made by Him and for Him and through Him. And so now in light of who Jesus is, He says, here's what we do. Him we proclaim. Now this, if you look at it, is really just a restating of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, right, where Jesus has to do what? Go and make what? Yes, he says, go make disciples, doing what? Teaching them to, to do what? To obey all that he's commanded. Now he mentions baptism too. He says, so make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And, and if you look at this right here, Paul is, in his own words, as Spirit inspired him, restating Jesus' mission. This is Paul. So Jesus says, make disciples, right? How do you do that? What do you need in order to make disciples? For people to be made new by the Spirit, what's necessary? The, the gospel, yes! This is not complex, I promise, you know these. The gospel, you need to, you need to proclaim the gospel, right? And when, when you proclaim this good news that there is a man who is fully God conceived of the virgin who lived a sinless life and he revealed the glory of God and he died as our substitute on the cross was resurrected on the third day, defeating death, offering us hope and making us new through his spirit. When people hear this, this good news, this gospel, the Spirit is at work, and He makes people new. He changes. He transforms people. He gives us His nature. And so, Jesus says, make disciples. And what does Paul say? He says, Him we proclaim. Because what? Proclaiming Jesus leads to doing what? Making disciples. And so what you're seeing with Paul, and his, basically, his mission statement is essentially Jesus' mission statement. So he says, him we proclaim. And then he says, doing what? He says, doing what? Teaching. Presenting believers mature. Just like Jesus said, teach my disciples to obey what I have commanded. So here you have Paul, who is following Jesus' model, Jesus' mission, saying, here's what Jesus did. Jesus told us to do this. Now we're going to do it. And so he says, we teach people so that they're what? He says, mature. Now, we, we talked about this back in November. Maybe you already forgot, so I'll refresh your memory. Um, but that, but by the way, is why I'm trying to give you handouts that have holes in them in a notebook so you can keep it all together and review it later. But the goal of a believer is not growth. Remember that? We talked about this a few months ago. The ultimate goal is not growth. What is the goal? We saw this last week, Colossians 1, verse 18. He, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Remember, he, he has victory over the death, authority over death itself. And it says what? That in everything that he, Jesus, might be preeminent. That's the goal. The goal is the glory of Jesus. Jesus' glory being displayed. Jesus being treasured and worshipped by all nations. All people bowing down in awe. Of Jesus, Him being preeminent, that is the goal. Growth is the means. As we grow, 
what happens? We hate our idols. We grow dissatisfied with them. We realize that our achievements and what we can accomplish in our own power and our little kingdoms that we build for ourselves is just idolatry. And all of a sudden, it's exposed for what it is, that it's a counterfeit. And as we grow, we hate our sin and, and we love Jesus more and we treasure Jesus. The more that we treasure Jesus and the more that we trust Jesus, that will lead to obeying And so what you see here is growth is the means. The end, the purpose, the goal is enjoying the glory of Jesus. And and what you're seeing with Paul here is he understands the mission. He says, I proclaim him, I make disciples, I teach them to obey so that Christ is magnified and treasured and lives are transformed. We look different. We treat our wives different. We respect our husbands differently. We raise our kids differently. We work differently. We internet surf differently. We serve differently. Our money is used differently. Our whole lives are now different because of Jesus and His glory. And our heart beats fast that more people will experience the joy of Jesus. So we make disciples, He says, teach them to obey, proclaim Him, and then Jesus promised something. Remember in the Great Commission how he ends, how he ends the book of Matthew? He says, and what? And I will be with you to the end of the age. So Jesus promises what? His presence. Promises his spirit. And what does Paul say here? He says his energy, Christ's energy, powerfully works within me. And so Paul gets it. He knows that in his strength, he can't do this. This is no way. He needs Jesus. He needs the presence and the power of Jesus to accomplish this. And so you're seeing again a restating Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Just like Renewal Church. Hey, I love you and I think that y'all are great. But let's just be honest. We have no hope in our own power. None. I don't care how intelligent we think we are, or how crafty we think we are, or how great our social media is, or any of it, or how amazing our music or preaching is or isn't, it's not going to be sufficient to impact Bill County. We need, as Paul says here, his energy powerfully working within Renewal Church. And it's only through his power. And so we depend on him. We, we, pray and we beg him to be at work. He would say, Spirit, blow here and transform lives here for the praise of your name. Matthew 28 and Colossians 1 are one and the same. It's about the mission. It's about our purpose as a church and why we exist. And it shows our values, which we'll look at here in just a second. Let's look at a second text, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Look at that for a second, and then we're going to see how these two texts show our values. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. This is the same author, Paul. Spirit inspired him to write. He's writing to Timothy, and if you don't know the context, Timothy was a pastor. He was the lead pastor in the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And Paul discipled him, and then Paul 
left him to pastor in Ephesus and Paul left. And so he says, you then my child. He calls him his child because he's his spiritual child. He, he discipled him. So he has this father, mentor, trainer, but loving, fatherly relationship with Timothy. So you can just sense the affection that he has for, for young pastor Timothy. He says, you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Does that sound similar to Colossians 1.29? Because in Colossians 1, he says that it's what? It's, it's the energy of Jesus that works in us. And then he reminds Timothy, hey, it's not your strength. He says, I pray that you will be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus. So the same thing here. This ought to be so encouraging to us that it's not about our strength. It's His. It's His work. He's called us. He empowers us. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, so you know how I've discipled you, I've taught you, I've invested in you personally, Timothy. So what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses Entrust, now go do this, entrust it to faithful men. So now what I taught you, you teach other faithful men. And he ends the verse saying, who will be able to teach others also. Do you see that progression? Paul says, Christ strengthens me. I've trained you. I've discipled you. I've poured into you. Now you go multiply and pour into others who they will then continue this discipleship chain and they will then disciple others who will then disciple others who will disciple others who will disciple others until every single people group on this planet treasures Jesus. This is what we do. This is what we're about. And this defines us. And so we were made for this mission. And this is not come sit in the pew on a Sunday morning. Like, I hope you're catching the vision for this church that this is not churchianity of come and just sit and chill and be entertained. Like, if, and I know, I know all of you in the room, so I know that this is a very safe place to say this, but We'll be saying the same thing Sunday mornings when there's more people who are just catching the vision. And it's very simple. If this doesn't excite you, and if you don't want to be a part of this, then honestly, there's a door. Because you're living for something that's far smaller, that's not going to satisfy. And you're going to feel kind of weird with us. So, so... Either either this makes your heart beat so fast because you have the same spirit that Jesus sent and he's in you. And so this just gets your heart beating fast and then let's do this together. And if not, well then what's wrong with you? Like you need to repent and look in the mirror and say, what makes my heart beat fast? Because something does. Hear me. Something makes your heart beat fast. Where do your thoughts go when it's just you? What do you think about? What do you look forward to the most? These things help you. Where, where is your commitment, your time? Where is it invested? 
Where's your talents? Where are those invested? Your treasure, your money, where is that invested? This begins to show you what you value. So with these two texts that we could probably spend a lot more time in, but our time is expiring, let's see how these two powerful texts connect with the Renewal Church values. Since they're in your handout, we value commitment. So this is what matters to our church. We value commitment. So I'll read to you that overview that's there in your notes. The scriptures repeatedly describe God as faithful to his commitments. So as a church, we will reflect the glory of God by being a committed people. We will not, or we will be contributors, not consumers. You hear that? We will be contributors, not consumers. We will be givers, not accumulators. We're not hoarders. We give. We don't accumulate. We will be committed church members, not casual church attenders. We will be servants, not customers. So this is a summary just kind of encapsulates when we talk about we value commitment. It's we're all in because we have seen more joy We have seen more hope and more soul satisfaction in Jesus than anything else that this world has to offer. And many of us, I I see a few gray heads, and I'm with you, okay? Like, I'm catching up. And my kids remind me that I have gray. They're like, oh, Dad, you're old. And it's like, go to time out. (laughs) Or you're grounded. No, it's the reality. And those of us that have had a few more years behind us, and I turned 40 this year, so I feel, I'm feeling like, oh man, like, I know so, so. (laughs) Now, now you say that, but, uh, but there are several in the room that are like, oh, he's old. And I know some of you are like, oh, he's young. It's all about your vantage point. I get it. But, but those of us that have lived a little bit and taste what this world has to offer, man, if you've tasted that, then you know it just leaves you hungry and empty and wanting more. And so this this commitment, it's not drudgery. Hear me. It's It's not burdensome. It's natural. It's like being committed to Bonnie. That's not drudgery to me. That's joy. I love her and I enjoy her. So being committed to her is just a natural reality that's overflow from relationship. And that's what church commitment is. It's saying, man, I want Jesus. I want to. And if we find ourselves having a, I don't want to. I don't want to give financially. I don't really want to serve. I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I don't really want to be committed. Then I would ask you before God humbly, look in the mirror. And ask one question. Why? Why? Because something's going on in your soul. And you need some soul care. And so I don't mean this to bash you over the head. I mean it. Let's get together and have a coffee. And let me just pray with you and encourage you. Because, because this commitment is out of joy. And if, and if you're just not feeling it, then there's something is not well in your soul and, and we want to get you well so that you have what joy and purpose and commitment becomes natural. Now when I say this, Paul said for this, I toil. He says struggling. He was committed. 
So when I say commitment is a church value, I'm not pulling this out of the air. This is out of the Bible. Paul is saying, I toil, I struggle. You know, that, that word for struggle in the original is I agonize. I am agonizing over reaching and growing people. I'm agonizing over proclaiming Him and teaching people to be mature in Christ, being made new and then released into the world for Jesus. What do we agonize over? Because we all do over something. Paul here agonizing over the mission. And so when we talk about commitments, we talk about stewardship. Stewardship is not just about the money. Stewardship is all of life. Steward is a manager who oversees what is not his. It belongs to the owner, the master, and you are just managing it for him. And so we're talking about stewardship. It's about your time and your talents as much as it is your treasure, your, your money. It's all, it doesn't belong to you. Your time and your talents don't belong to you. Neither does your money. It belongs to Jesus. So we ought not misuse what belongs to our maker. But remember, this is all in his strength, like we looked at already in those two texts. We'll pray that he will strengthen us to love him more and to be committed as an overflow. And so we value commitment. Next, we value multiplication. We value multiplication. The mission of God is to create a people for himself that will treasure Him above everything else. God sends His people, the church, on His mission to make disciples for Him through the gospel. We are participating with God in His unfolding plan of renewal. Our calling is to multiply. We are not ministry maintainers. Hear me. We are not ministry maintainers We are disciple makers and church multipliers. No one leads alone. No one does this alone. We do it in the context of community. You have Paul discipling Timothy, Timothy discipling others who will then go disciple others. Disciples can't be mass produced. Hear me. Disciples cannot be mass produced. Who would know the best way to make disciples? (coughs) Jesus, right? By the way, whenever you're hearing and talk about the Bible and ask the question, the answer is always Jesus. Jesus. My kids already know that at five, they're gonna know Jesus. I'm like, oh, more, more detail, please. Don't just say Jesus. But in this case, it's true. Jesus knows the best on how to make disciples. And how did he do it? Did he do it in large crowds? No. He invested in 12 men. Incidentally, we have our home groups that are designed to be about 12 people. And then Jesus had his smaller core of Peter, James, and John of three people with him. So four, a small, what we're going to call a discipleship group, which we will begin here in the next couple of months. And so we're trying to pattern renewal church and what we do according to what Jesus did and how he did it. Jesus didn't try to mass produce disciples. It was through personal investment. And so we invest in individuals. So 
So we want individuals to multiply, each one of us reaching out and then growing them, like Paul says, proclaiming him and then teaching them, growing them. And so we want to see each one of us as individuals multiply and then we have home groups that are designed as mission communities to also multiply so that we can reach more neighborhoods and then we want to plant more churches so that our church even multiplies. So we value multiplication. The goal for a new church is not a mega church. You hear me? Just so that way we're really clear. The end goal is not a mega church. The end goal is a healthy church that treasures Jesus, that displays his glory. That's the end goal. A mega church is not anywhere near the goal. We want to multiply, not have necessarily large church. If God wants to make the church big, that's his business. But our value, our goal is to multiply. So a healthy, growing, multiplying church. So we value commitment. We value multiplication. We see that here in the text. We value, next, being intentional. We value being intentional. We serve an intentional God. In eternity past, God planned creation and redemption for the praise of His name. We reflect God's character when we are intentional and purposeful with everything we do as a church. Every partnership, every gathering, every ministry and event will intentionally contribute toward accomplishing our church's mission. Don't raise your hand, but maybe just think through it in your own mind. Have you ever been part of a a ministry in any church, not just First Baptist, but anywhere, where you felt like, what I'm doing here is good, it's not bad or evil, I'm just not sure how this ministry connects with the overall vision or, or, or purpose of this church. If you've ever experienced that, then I, then you know how frustrating that can be. We don't want that. We don't want to have just random good things or random ministries. Every single ministry, every single home group gathering, everything that we do is intentional. It has a purpose that contributes toward accomplishing our overall vision, which is to spread God's renewal to Bell County and the world. That's the big picture. That's the vision. To spread his renewal to Bill County and the world. In our mission specifically, well, what are we here for? Well, we want to see people made new in Jesus and grow in Jesus and release into the world for Jesus. So everything that we do has to contribute towards that mission. And if it doesn't, then we won't do it. We want to be intentional. That's what you see here in these two texts. Intentionality to fulfill the mission. And it's all done in the context of community. <laughs> Philippians 1.27, I'll read you just the excerpt from that. Philippians 1.27 says that we're called to standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving, so moving, side by side for the faith of the gospel. You hear that? One spirit one mind, side by side, moving forward for the gospel. This is what we want. Not random, going in different directions, but one clear focus in one clear direction where everything that we do is defined and is on paper. So those of you that are praying about maybe 
being a ministry director, then you, you already know this, and it's coming if you haven't already heard this, but we're going to have every single ministry defined, written down. This is how this ministry contributes towards the Renewal Church's overall vision. And there's actually a lot of effort and discipline to defining it on paper. And not just being random, not just, let's just go hang out with the kids. No. The kids' ministry has to be intentional. Youth, intentional. The worship, intentional. Communications, hospitality, all of it intentional. And designed with a purpose of fulfilling the overall vision of our church. So everything is evaluated constantly. So that we are going in the right direction that God has led us to as a church. And so intentional. Lastly, we value being simple. We value simple. The aim is a healthy church, not a busy church. Simplicity requires focused excellence. We will be focused on making the best disciples, not the best programs. Busyness robs us of time and energy required to have a restored restored soul with God. This is actually huge. A lot of people in a lot of churches don't understand what this means, What this means is our goal is not just a full calendar. Everything that we do, again, is intentional. And when I say simple, I don't mean easy. All right? Because Paul described the mission as what? Toiling and struggling. Does that sound easy? No. It's actually impossible. We actually can't do it. We need his strength, as we've already seen. So I'm not saying... That it's not hard. Of course it's hard. Of course it's messy. Of course it's demanding. Yes. Yes, God empowers us and there's joy. But what I'm describing here is that it's not complicated. So I'm describing simple as in uncomplicated. As in not cluttered or confusing. Paul here didn't describe comprehensive programs or really inventive church growth strategies. Like, that's not what Paul describes here. He's describing a simple strategy. And, and if you want to describe it in one phrase, it's personal investment. He invested personally in Timothy, who was called to personally invest in others, who would do it with others. And so everything that we do that is simple is designed to be highly relational. It has to be, because that's the way the Bible describes it. So there are complex churches And there are simple churches. And complex churches offer a lot of programs, a very busy schedule, but oftentimes no clear direction. If you would ask the average person of a complex church, what is this church about? They would have a hard time probably pinning it down because they're about a lot of different things. They're complex. What's the direction of this church? And they might say, well, we're, we we do this, and we do this, and we do this. And it's like, no, 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 no. What is the direction? Where are you headed as church? And they may struggle with that because it's a complex situation. Now, the lead pastor may, may fully get it, maybe, but not everyone else does. But when you have a simple church, what you have is much more focus. Maybe not a lot of programs or activities, but everything that is happening, and there is activity, but it's much more focused. So let me give you some examples. Wow, time is already up, but just very briefly. So that way this becomes more concrete and not just too nebulous or ethereal for you, okay? So women's ministry or men's ministry, pick one, right? A lot of times, 
I mean, I've been asked, so are you going to have a men's ministry? And what they mean is, are you going to have older guys, I'm in the category now, I guess, but older guys that meet on a Wednesday morning at 5 or Saturday morning at 7, they get together and have coffee and share the word or whatever, and or or that go do stuff together. And I say, well, we will have a men's ministry, but it won't be a whole separate thing. It'll be part of what we're already doing anyway. So, for example, we have home groups. Guess what? There's men in there. So that's, yeah. that's men. That's, that's, that's men. There are men. They're in a the home group. Okay? There's men involved in ministry because men are serving. Because we're calling on men to serve. Ministry means service. That's what it means. So, yes, but we'll also have these men in discipleship groups. Two to four men meeting weekly, being transparent, being real with each other, studying the word, pouring, doing what Timothy did, what Paul did, pouring into each other. And so are we going to have men's ministry? Yes. That will flow through our home groups and our discipleship groups. So there's no separate men's ministry outside of our existing home groups and discipleship groups. We're, we're fulfilling it intentionally and simply. But are we doing it? Yes. Women's ministry. Are we going to have women's ministry? Absolutely. Women are in home groups. Women serve. Women are teaching. Women are involved. Women have discipleship groups. So do we have women's ministry? Yes. But do we have a whole separate ministry heading for just women? No. No, that, that begins to get complex. You start to add lots of different ministries, and before you know it, the pastors become administrators over a lot of admin, over a lot of ministries. And then, and then you want to call him to go have a coffee or get counseling, and he doesn't have time. Because he's overseeing a bunch of programs and ministries. But if you have a more simple and intentional approach, then there is time. For what? Relationship. And each one of you are going to have more time for relationship so that you can be on mission with your neighbors. So this is something that we're talking about more in your home groups, okay? So if you have any questions or thoughts about this, you can call me. I have an open door by all means, and we can talk and talk about this in more detail. You can discuss this at length in your home groups and and if, if anyone is wondering, well, why are we doing this? Then just let me know and we can talk through it more. It's kind of hard in this context to, to answer all the questions. But just here briefly, does this make sense? So it's, it's different. Yes, of course it is. But I believe that this can be very, very powerful in the life of our church. We value commitment. We value multiplication, being intentional, and being really simple. And really, my prayer is that we will have Christ's strength empowering us to be the church that he is calling us to be.